me begin tonight in a little bit different fashion than maybe you're accustomed to. I'd like to actually ask for and encourage some audience participation. And so, yes, that means you are allowed to speak up here in just a moment when I ask for a response. Just a little bit of Bible trivia that I think will help to get our gears working this evening in the Word of God. Uh, This is a who said it question. Uh, The question I'd like to know the answer to is, who said... It is more blessed to give than to receive. Who is credited with making that statement? Jesus. And probably putting the words in red, that was probably kind of a giveaway for anybody who did not know ahead of time. But that's exactly right. And in fact, that is one of the great statements that Jesus made. Uh, But that's a wonderful statement of just general truth, isn't it? Regardless of who said it, the fact that Jesus said it, I think, makes that even more poignant. The idea that the greatest joy and the greatest purpose that we could ever find in this life is not found in what people can do for me, but instead what I can do for others. That real joy and real purpose, it's not about getting, instead it's about giving. That is a beautiful and wonderful concept. And it's really no wonder that Jesus is the one who would make such a statement as that. Because Jesus is the very embodiment of that principle, isn't He? Think about it. Jesus gave up His position in heaven. Jesus gave of Himself in coming to this earth. Jesus gave His body to be sacrificed on the cross of Calvary. Jesus gave up many of His divine privileges when He came to this earth. Jesus did all of that in order to give to sinners the right and the possibility and the opportunity to be called the sons and the daughters of God. Jesus took more delight in giving than in anything that He could ever expect to return and receive from us. Jesus knew exactly what it meant whenever He made that statement, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here's the follow-up question though, and once again, audience participation is encouraged. This is a little bit tougher question, I will admit to you. When and where and to whom did Jesus make that statement to not getting a bunch of immediate responses like I did a moment ago. And you want to know the answer to that? The reason everybody's not chiming in with answers? Well, the reason is we don't know. We don't know when Jesus said that or where He was when He said it or the group of people that He was talking to when He said that. We don't have a clue about that. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of those gospel accounts, and you won't find any specific instance of Jesus saying that to anybody, not recorded in Scripture for us. In fact, you can even look at some of those outside of the Gospels encounters that Jesus has with people. Acts 1, He's talking with the apostles there. Acts 9 has an encounter there with some people. Even then, He doesn't make reference and say this to anybody. And so, you're not going to be able to go anywhere in your New Testament to find out the exact context in which that great statement was uttered. Somebody would maybe say, well, if we don't know when and where and to whom Jesus made that statement, then... How do we know that Jesus made that statement? Audience participation again. Alright, there's some red letters, and certainly that's true here, but it's also true here. How do we know that Jesus said that? Yeah, we actually have an inspired apostle, an inspired man, who gives credit of that statement to Jesus when he said it. 
And we have that record of that in Acts the 20th chapter. Would you actually be opening up your Bible to Acts chapter 20? In Acts chapter 20, this is where Paul quotes that particular statement of Jesus. And of course, it is a man who's under the operation and the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit who is able to say this, so we know that it is authoritative. In Acts chapter 20, it is verse number 35, the one place that we'll find this in our Bible. In Acts 20 and verse 35, Paul says... In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There you go. We don't know all of the particulars about the the origins of that statement, but Paul does affirm to us that it was Jesus who said it. And once again, I think it is very appropriate that a guy like Paul is the one reiterating this statement. Because Paul, just like Jesus, Paul tried to live that truth out in his very own life. Think of all the things that Paul gave in order to serve others. Paul gave up his personal comfort and personal convenience in order to become a very unpopular preacher of the gospel. Paul gave up his health and his physical well-being in order to spread the good news to as many people as he possibly could. In fact, in Philippians chapter 1, Paul even says that he was willing to give up going to heaven, at least right now. He's willing to put that off for a little while longer in order to serve and to teach and to reach more people. Paul understood this principle, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. What a marvelous principle for people to live by. Now, I have quoted that verse many, many times before in my preaching. And chances are you have probably heard that verse and that phrase quoted and referenced many, many times before from preachers and teachers of the gospel. And with good reason. This is something that all Christians need to get ingrained in our lives and in our hearts. We need to develop this kind of giving of ourselves mentality without expecting anything in return that is a very Christ-like quality, that is a very Paul-like quality. However, here's the question that I really want to get to this evening. When Paul made that statement in Acts 20 and verse 35... Do you have any idea who he was talking to? I must tell you that in my 38 years on planet earth, I do not remember, and I I could have just forgotten, but I do not remember anyone ever explicitly pointing out who Paul was making this statement to and the significance of why he was saying it to those people. Who is Paul's audience here in Acts chapter 20? Well, just back up. Look in verse 17. In verse 17 of Acts chapter 20, you will read there that from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church to come to him. The one time in Scripture where this phrase is found, Paul is addressing the elders of a local church. Now, that does not mean that this principle of it is more blessed to give than to receive, that doesn't mean that that isn't applicable to everyone, because it most certainly is. But it is of great interest to me that the one time that it is found in all of the Bible, that statement was applied and it was meant directly for elders, 
for shepherds in a local congregation. And the reason that is of particular interest to me right now is because we are in the midst of a very focused search for elders, for men who would serve as shepherds in this local church. We're looking for some shepherds. We're looking for a few good men who would rise to that occasion and serve in this capacity. My dad, of course, has been teaching about shepherds and about the various aspects of that on the Wednesday night adult class. He's been doing that for five weeks now. And tonight, this marks the third sermon that I have preached in this series on shepherding the flock of God. And of course, our goal in all of this, not just mine and his goal in the teaching, but all of us, hopefully, in this endeavor, our goal is very clear. We want to find men who are qualified to serve in this way so that we can be complete in how God wants a local church to be. And in so doing, we can have the joys and the blessings of being scripturally organized, the blessing of having leadership the way God wants His people to have. And this evening, what I'd like to do for just a couple of minutes is I want to talk from Acts chapter 20 about what I believe is often the overlooked virtue that we absolutely need in order to have shepherds here at Lakeside. I believe that what Paul says to these elders in Acts 20 and verse 35, I believe it strikes at the very core of what a shepherd's job is all about. And it strikes at the true reward that comes from having a willing and giving heart. And there is there is a very specific reason as to why I am devoting an entire lesson to this one characteristic. Because one of the reasons as to why churches oftentimes do not have elders is because many times there are qualified men who just are not willing to accept that role and to accept that responsibility. In fact, the sermon that I preached last month, this was the final point that I concluded with. That lots of times that's what you'll have. Here's maybe a church that's ready to start start putting forward some names for consideration. And so maybe we go to this brother that we perceive and we've observed over time as being, well, he seems like a qualified individual. Been watching him, he's been developing his life in a certain way. And so we go to that brother and we ask him, hey, would you be willing to be considered to serve as a shepherd over this flock? And that man responds by saying, no. Well, well why not, brother? Is it an issue if you don't feel like you're qualified? Well, I'm, I'm not really necessarily that. No, it's, I just don't desire that work. I just don't desire the responsibility that comes along with serving as a shepherd. Now, I touched on this just kind of briefly at the end of that lesson last month. But tonight, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to try to just level a full frontal assault on that kind of thinking. Because it is my conviction that if more men understood, and if more men lived by this principle of Acts 20 and verse 35, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive then I believe the role of shepherd, it would become a much more desired work. How do I know that? Well, let's just stop and think about the couple of guys who are credited with quoting and making this statement. Stop and think for a second about Jesus. Jesus is the one who originally made this statement. How many of you think that Jesus desired to suffer and to die? How many of you think that Jesus desired the humiliation and the shame of the cross? How many of you think that Jesus desired to be that sacrificial offering for all mankind? That He aspired to endure the crucifixion? 
Of course Jesus didn't desire those things. And so the question is, well, why did He do those things? Why did He undergo all of that? I'll tell you why. Because He aspired to give of Himself. He desired to give Himself up in order to save others. His desire was to give everything that He possibly could, even His very own life's blood, in order to help those who were lost in sin. That, of course, would be you and me. Jesus did all of that because He recognized, He embodied this principle that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. He desired to be a giver, not the actual minutiae of the job itself. That's not what He desired. Or think about Paul. Think about the guy who then quotes Jesus on that. Do you think that the Apostle Paul aspired for another beating? Paul was beat several times. Do you think that's what he aspired and he desired? Do you think Paul desired to be thrown in prison again and again and again? Do you think Paul desired to be forsaken by some of his friends, some people who actually called themselves Christians? Do you think that's what Paul desired? No, he didn't desire any of that stuff. But he did it anyway. And you want to know why? Because he aspired to help people. Help people to learn the truth. He desired to assist others in being able to go to heaven someday. He desired to give of his very life in order that others could be the recipients of great blessings. You know, I am concerned whenever qualified men are approached about serving as an elder in the local church... And they jump on 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, and that's that passage that says that a man must desire this work. And they say, well, I'm sorry, I just, I just don't desire the work. Well, brother, you've got all these other things. Well, I'm sorry, I just, I just don't desire to do that. Listen, listen to me very carefully. We're not asking, do you desire late night elders meetings? That's not what we're asking. We're not asking, do you desire the stress and the anxiety that does come along with the work of an elder? That's not what we're asking. We're not asking, do you desire having to go visit that wayward brother for the sixth time this year about the same problem? No! What we're asking is, is we're asking, do you desire to give? Do you desire to give in order that others may receive? I've got to tell you, I refuse to believe that we would have capable and qualified men in this congregation who when confronted with that question, they would just say, no. No, I don't desire to give. I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe that anybody would say, I don't desire to be a giver like Jesus. A giver like the Apostle Paul. That's just too hard for me to accept and to believe. Being a shepherd in the Lord's church, it most certainly is based on desire. But I'm telling you tonight that it is based upon a desire to give. To give of oneself in order to serve God, and in order to serve God's people, and be able to do that in really just the most maximum capacity possible. And so, for just a couple more minutes tonight, I'd like to just kind of spell that out for you, right out of Acts chapter 20. I don't want to go running in a bunch of different directions tonight and try to compile this big gigantic list of stuff and as a result cause us to lose sight of this one main point about how it is more blessed to give than to receive. But I would have us notice a little bit here in Acts the 20th chapter. Would you just back up? Let's just read a little bit here. Let's read what leads up to Paul saying that in verse 35 to these elders. In Acts chapter 20, 
Let's notice what kind of giving that we need from men who would serve as shepherds in this local church. In Acts chapter 20, read with me. Let's begin there in verse number 28. In verse 28, Paul says to them, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And that from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I didn't cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now, now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up, to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, You yourselves know that these hands, they ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. We must remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to make three quick points from these verses about how it is more blessed to give than to receive. First and foremost, what Paul is stressing is that a shepherd is a man who will give... He will give us help. That's really what shepherds do. If you wanted to kind of use just an all-encompassing general term for what shepherds do, they help their sheep. These are men who say, I want to help as many people as I possibly can, in as many ways that I can. In fact, maybe I've kind of already gone through that stage and that period in my life when I was kind of selfish And really it was kind of all about me and mine. And I was all worried about, you know, building my home and my estate up and acquiring all kinds of money so that I could get all kinds of stuff and possessions. I'm kind of past all of that. I'm now at a point in my life when I want to be devoted to helping others. And you know, we really see that help idea throughout every single one of those verses that we just read. Can I draw your attention though to verse 32? Paul kind of uses himself as an example here. In verse 32, Paul says, I've tried to set the example, first of all, of not coveting anybody's money or anybody's stuff. In other words, I'm not preaching and doing this stuff in order to get something. Okay? And he says, you elders, you you need to emulate that. This isn't about getting something. Instead, verse 35, this is about, and he uses the word specifically, this is about helping He says we need to help the weak. When a shepherd sees a weak and sickly sheep, what does he do? Does he just ignore that sheep? Kick it while it's down? No! Go help that sheep. Tend it and bring it back to health. Nurse it back to health. Want to get that sheep back going in the flock? That's what shepherds in a church do. They help. And while it is certainly true that there is biblical precedent, For an elder receiving financial support, being compensated for his work, I believe 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18 would bear that out. The truth is, that's not why an elder gets into this line of work. He doesn't get into it because he wants to get something. He's not doing it so that he can earn an income and a paycheck. No, 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 no. The elder doesn't do it to get. He does it to give. He wants to give that help and that assistance. He wants to help the flock. He wants to serve others. In fact, would you look over, hold your place in Acts. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to call your attention to one word in particular that Peter uses here as Peter himself, 
identifies that he served as an elder in the local church of which he was laboring. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he says then in verse 1 and 2, in 1 Peter 5 verse 1, he says, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. You can't force somebody to serve as an elder. You're going to do that willingly. Notice this. As God would have you, not for shameful gain. This isn't about getting something, but eagerly. Eagerly. That's the idea here. This isn't about what I get. If this was about what I get, I'd stop being an elder and I'd go get me some more fishing time instead. This isn't about getting recognition and praise heaped upon you. In fact, oftentimes, elders are the ones that people throw their darts at. That is, if the preacher can dodge out of the way fast enough. This is about something entirely different. This is about an eagerness, verse 2, to help. Not an eagerness to be paid. It's not an eagerness to have everybody pat me on the back and tell me what a great job that I've done. Although we ought to do that. But Hebrews talks about how elders need to be honored and esteemed. This is about helping people. This is about being in really the best position possible to help as many people as possible. Now let me just throw this out there. Let me just ask this. This is for this is really for everybody. Who here does not want to help people? Go ahead. Just raise your hand right now if you're not interested at all in helping people. That's exactly what I thought. We all would like to help people, particularly in a spiritual way. If we can help somebody to know the Lord, if we can help somebody in their walk with Jesus Christ, we'd all love to do that. We'd grab a hold of that opportunity. And in fact, we all do have that obligation. Galatians 6.10, 1 Thessalonians 5, lots of places that talk about doing good and helping the weak and doing stuff for other folks. All of us as Christians need to be involved in that. But a shepherd... A shepherd is a man who desires to give himself up for the good of the flock. And he does that because he wants to give us the help that we need. What I want to know is, is I want to know, do we have men here who would be willing to say that it is more blessed for me to give help than it is for me to receive? Secondly, as you turn back to Acts chapter 20, Paul shows those Ephesian elders that shepherding is based upon a desire to give men who will give us teaching and who will give us instruction. As you notice there in Acts chapter 20, that's really kind of how he begins the talk there about the instruction, the feeding. Some translations actually use the word feed. The ESV uses the word care. Would you drop down and look at verse 32? In verse 32 he says, I'm now commending you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. These are men who are just feeding on the word all the time themselves. And they're then going to impart that and share that with others. In fact, jump back up to the previous verses, verse 30 and 31. He says one of the reasons that you're going to need to be people who have instruction and capability to teach is because, verse 30, from among your own number. There's going to be men who are going to speak twisted things. and They're going to try to draw disciples away after them. Therefore, you need to be alert. And remember that for three years, I didn't cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Paul says, I spent all this time teaching, pleading, using the Word of God to help people be what they ought to be. 
And you elders, you need to do the exact same thing. You have devoted yourselves. You have given yourself over fully to being people of the book. And that, of course, is absolutely essential just when you start talking about the qualifications for a man to be an elder. Hold your place in Acts again. Look in Titus chapter 1. In Titus chapter 1, in the Timothy passage, in 1 Timothy 3, uh, Paul says they are just being apt to teach. But in the Titus passage, he actually gives a little bit more, a little bit more detail. In Titus chapter 1, this is verse number 9. In Titus 1 and in verse 9, he says here that an elder, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Please don't read these passages and come away thinking that an elder is just a walking Bible encyclopedia. That he just instantly can rattle off the answer to any Bible question that you may have. That he's able to just memorize every verse in the Bible and he can just shoot that at you anytime that you need it. That's not what that's talking about. This is a guy who knows the Scriptures. He's able to just sit down with somebody. He's able to work through the Scriptures. He's got the principles of Scripture planted deeply in his heart. And he's able to impart that to other people. Maybe he does that in a public way, in a Bible class setting. Maybe he does it in the pulpit, in a preaching kind of way. But maybe he's just doing that one-on-one. This is a guy who loves the Word. He devotes his time to studying that Word, growing in the Word. He prays about it. In fact, if you notice there, as you go back to Acts chapter 20, after Paul had said all this stuff to these elders, what's the first thing that they did? They knelt down and they prayed. Prayed about this stuff. This is God's devoted to the Word and then prays about that and asks God for wisdom and for guidance and how they give and deliver that Word to others. Let me just ask you, thinking about being a sheep, what would you give to have not just one shepherd, but at least a couple of shepherds who'd be willing to just feed you when you're hungry? Feed you and give you the nourishment that you need in order to grow and to be what you ought to be as a sheep. I tell you this, spiritually, thinking about that in spiritual terms, I'd take not just two, I'd take like 20 or 30 of those guys. I'd love to have just a whole bunch of shepherds. That'd be a wonderful thing. Men who are just giving us the instruction that we need so that we can grow strong, so that we can be protected from the wiles of the devil through false teachers and the ravenous wolves that Paul talks about here. What a wonderful blessing that is. And i got to tell you, once again, we're really talking about something that really ought to touch everybody. Is there anybody here who doesn't want to teach others? Raise your hand. I'll be surprised. All of us want to teach others. In fact, if you've ever had the pleasure and the experience of kind of helping people to understand some things about the Bible that they didn't know before, and walk them through various Bible subjects, maybe work through a passage of Scripture. Man, you just know the great joy and the wonderful feeling that comes from sharing the precious words of life with another soul. And that's what elders do. So who here doesn't want to be involved in that? Who here doesn't want to be involved in teaching and instructing others? A shepherd, though. Here's a man who has been willing to give himself up for the good of the flock, Because he wants so much to be involved in the teaching and instruction of that flock of sheep. Do we have men here who would be willing to say that it is more blessed for me to give instruction than it is for me to receive? And then finally, this evening, as you turn back to Acts chapter 20, 
Shepherding is based upon a desire to give. And what Paul says in this passage is that we need some men who will give. They will give us protection. And that's really kind of how Paul begins this section. In Acts 20, look at verse 28 again. He says you need to pay careful attention to yourselves. Pay careful attention to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. What overseers do? They oversee. That implies some protecting. They're watching out for. They're looking out for the well-being of the flock. You've been made overseers by the Holy Spirit to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. Look at verse 29. I know that after my departure, those fierce wolves are going to come in among you, and they're not going to want to spare the flock. You need to be ready for that. You need to be on guard for that. Drop down to verse 31. Therefore, be alert. Remember that for three years I didn't cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. You know, one of God's greatest complaints against the shepherds in the Old Testament was the fact that they had fallen asleep on the job. They had not given the protection that God's people needed. Ezekiel chapter 34 is one of the most scathing denunciations of those Old Testament shepherds. God says, you allowed my sheep, you allowed them to be devoured by the wolves and the beasts. You didn't protect them. You didn't watch out for them. But in the New Testament, God calls for shepherds to be people who have made that just their job. They're just looking out for the sheep all the time. Always looking, is this sheep in danger? Is there the possibility that someone may come in among us? And we watch and we observe that person and they start showing some signs of maybe causing some disruption and some problems here. Elder's going to be the first guy to go to that person and say, Hey, cut it out. We're going to get you out of here. That's what an elder does. And in fact, there is a sense in which all of us, once again, all of us need to be doing that. I realize somebody may be thinking right now, you know, who, I'm, who am I? I'm young. Or maybe I'm a woman. Maybe in some way I feel like that's really not my role to provide protection for the flock. Listen, you see somebody who is spiritually in danger? You're going to just be quiet about that? you just not do anything about that? No, if you're a Christian, you're going to get up and go. You're going to say something to that person. You're going to go and grab them before they fall off the edge of that cliff. All of us have this obligation. In fact, it is a great privilege that we're able to help one another in that kind of way. But once again, who's a shepherd? A shepherd is a man who has desired to give himself up for the good of the flock because he wants to devote himself to giving us that protection. Do we have men here who will say, it is more blessed for me to give protection than it is for me To receive. This is a powerful principle when you think about the idea of it is more blessed to give than to receive. And maybe unlike some of the other lessons that I've preached and will preach in this particular series, it has absolute wide range application. Everybody here needs to be thinking about how I can appropriate this truth of it's more blessed to give than receive. How I can work that into my life. Here's three areas. Be a great place to start. All of us want to be given. I want to tell you the focus of this lesson is about finding men who are qualified, who meet those Holy Spirit-given qualifications, who are willing to take that verse in Acts 20 and verse 35, that for the longest time, I really didn't even think about who that was being said to, but you will take that very personally, and you will see that as your charge and your mission in this life, to serve and to give of yourself 
to shepherd this local flock. My prayer, as it has been all along and will continue to be, that we will have men and their families who are ready to rise to that occasion and to serve us and to serve the Lord in that way. Now, as we extend the invitation of the Lord, let's talk about that principle one more time. It is more blessed to give than to receive. That is probably no more true than we talk about the idea of giving yourself to Jesus Christ. When you are willing to surrender and to give your very life to the Lord, submit to Him through obedience to the Gospel, being baptized in water for the remission of sins, being united with Him in the waters of baptism, man, that's a wonderful giving that you are doing. Man, what blessings you receive from doing that. You get forgiveness of your sins. The Lord adds you to His family. You're now His son or you're His daughter. All kinds of every spiritual blessing is found in Christ Jesus. What in the world would hinder somebody this evening from saying, eh, I don't really want to give myself in that way. Come on. Water's ready. Garment's back here. Myself and others ready to assist you in becoming a Christian this evening. You can know the great blessing of being a child of God. If you are one of God's children, but you've not been living faithfully, then brother or sister, this is an invitation for you to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're one of those sheep that's kind of wandered astray. We don't have elders here to help bring you back into the flock. But the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, he is beckoning you to come through his word, through the words of this song that we're about to sing. Won't you come back? If you're subject to the Lord's invitation in any way, why don't you do something about that? Do it right now while we stand and while we sing.